You are listening to the Life Nomadic Podcast, a podcast of inspiration, life lessons, philosophy, honesty, stories from the road, and, well, whatever the hell else I want to talk about. I'm your host, Brandon Collins. So let's get weird. All right. Well, welcome back to the Life Nomadic Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Collins. Thanks for, thanks for checking me out. Thanks for coming in and listening. Um, today, I have a very, very special, special episode. I have two incredible humans that I get to do this podcast with. Um, Gaia and Callie from uh, Tattoo Home Wreckers. They are tattooers at Marked Studios in Reno, Nevada. And we're going to have a quick conversation. Um, so, yeah. Say hi, ladies. Hi. Thanks hi, for everyone. Us. Yeah, thanks for... Thanks for letting me uh, take in your space. So we're we're currently in their house in their studio. Uh, it's a bit weird, but we took the wall down, so now I can see them. I'm happy about that. We're just on opposite ends of the table. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it feels like um, like those uh, old uh, like royal tables where like the the king and like everyone's sitting all the way, and you're having a conversation with somebody yeah. at the very very end of the table. Yes, literally. So I can hear you, but they could also say stuff about me that I can't hear them. So whisper, I'm watching whisper, you. Whisper, whisper, whisper. <laughs> yeah, whisper, whisper. <laughs> yeah, so today, um, I don't know. We have lots of stuff to talk about, I guess. We do. Um, chat. First, I do want to, so anyone who's been listening um, to this podcast for however long, all three episodes <laughs> <laughs> or four episodes before this, is <laughs> mental health is uh, very, very important to me. Um, and I and I, and I want... So anyone who's listening to kind of feel the same way and I want to break the stigma of mental health. I want, I want people to start looking and treating mental health like they do their physical health or how they should uh, treat their physical health. Um, and so, yeah, we're just going to have a, a conversation about that. What do you guys think? A good chat. Um, I think obviously mental health is so important because you live in your brain and your brain is you. So if yeah. you don't take care of that, um, it definitely affects, and this goes for non-tattooers as well, it'll affect your work life and your personal life and your personal relationship with yourself and speaking as someone who has struggled with like mental health stuff, as everyone has. Yeah. Um, I, you have to stay on top of it. Yeah. Huge thing. Huge, huge thing. And um, our career is something very special where our everyday choices affect other people permanently. <laughs> so um, we can only do as good as our brain allows us to be. As, right. You know, we allow ourselves to be. What yeah. Think? I think that mental health and physical health are truly connected. So for me, like part of keeping my mental health is also staying on top of my body. Mm-hmm. Because especially like the longer you tattoo, the more it essentially breaks down your body. (laughs) So like my hips hurt, my back hurts, and my shoulders hurt in different ways. And if you don't work on that physical side along with that mental side, then you end up in this place of just like perpetual chronic pain. Right. And um, I was reading an interesting study yesterday, um, and it was discussing that connection between like essentially childhood trauma and chronic pain in adults. And how, yeah, how your brain... Um, connects the two. So like you can have people that do have chronic pain, but are able to uh, essentially address it differently because of their approach, their mental approach to it. Right. 
was it the what is it the body remembers is that, yes. the, is that what you're talking about mm-hmm. yeah that book's great yeah, the body keeps score. Oh, the body like keeps score. Yeah, yeah, that's what it that is. That book is fucking nuts. Yeah, it's a hard one to get through too. Oh, totally. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not even halfway through. I think I made it yeah. to chapter five, and like I have to take like solid breaks. <laughs> each, like, yeah. yeah, some of that. Some of that shit hits real close to home. It's it's intense. Yeah, it's intense. But yeah, yeah. I I I've been dealing with chronic back pain for probably on and off for like four or five years, and it's I've. I've been through every path, right? I've been through physical therapy. I've been through chiropractory. I've been, you know, I'm a weightlifter. I've, I, I even went the, the psychological like route and nothing, nothing is working. And so it's really frustrating. And, um, sometimes it won't be the pain that, that makes me get really upset. It's the frustration of not knowing what's, what's wrong with me. And I'll be in tears some days just because I just don't understand why my back hurts and I don't understand why nothing's helping it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's, that kind of is, feels like what people who deal with um, mental stress and mental disorders, mm-hmm. when it's like everyone around you is fine, why am I the one that's like messed up? Why is my, why is my mind weird or why is my brain quote unquote broken? And so that frustration is only exacerbated by the fact that there's a stigma behind it, right? Like if, if somebody tells you that they have cancer or, or they have a kidney stone or whatever physical ailment, you're like, Oh, okay, that sucks. And you can kind of whatever. But then someone says, you know, I've been diagnosed with ADD or, or, or PTSD or anything, those other things. And it's almost like, Oh, you're like broken or whatever. And I've, my, one of my passions is to stop that so that if someone opens up to you about something that's going on with them, you treat it as if it was, they sprained their ankle. You know what I mean? It shouldn't be any different. It's the same thing. It's the same body. It blows my mind that we have a different like view on that. I think that's where we're, where I especially am really lucky because I am in my mid thirties, but then doing life with somebody who is in their like early Mm twenties, mid twenties, um, because it's one of those things that her generation is truly doing right. That any sort of like mental health things, um, they are very vocal about it. Yeah. Um, and it's like you were saying with your back, I think there's a place for, um, having that answer like I didn't realize that like I had ADHD up until probably about two years ago and it was through watching like as stupid as it sounds through watching TikToks and seeing memes and being like holy shit this is the best way to explain my brain Mm -hmm. where I would be super frustrated by people to be like why can you not remember the exact placement of where you put the scissors four months ago when my brain can pull it up like that yeah. But I also cannot remember someone's name for the life of me. Mm-hmm. And I would get really frustrated. And then when I started watching all this stuff and I was hesitant at first to identify as like, OK, well, I have ADHD because I've never been formally diagnosed. Mm-hmm. But then being like, you know what? I know my brain and every like the more research I do on it, the more I'm like, thank you so much for giving me more tools to understand my brain that I don't necessarily need to go to a doctor. It's the same thing. Like, yeah, I have a hip impingement, but I've had that since I was born and it took till the age of 30 before a doctor would diagnose it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So instead of like waiting on that official diagnosis, her um, generation is really good at being like, hey, these are the things I'm suffering with. And you don't end up in this weird place of not having answers. Yeah. Because I think there is that. Whereas like, yeah, our generation and even older than this, there is a huge stigma around it. Yeah. So then there's a lot of shame. There's also just that gender divide as well that like for men, mental health problems are massive. So having somebody of your like stature speaking about it, I think is so vital for allowing tattoo artists to recognize that. Because for me, I'm very vocal about like any of my struggles. Like um, I went through like a suicidal thing a couple months ago or maybe a month ago. Mm -hmm. And the moment I started to come back down, I instantly was like, okay, we need to talk about this on our podcast Mm -hmm. because we need to talk about this like issue within tattooing right? and having to be, like she said, be on all the time with our jobs. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important to, and I, so I, I'm in recovery. I've been in recovery for 16 years and there's a stigma with that as well. There's a lot of shame um, that comes along with addiction. Um, They're both mental disorders and I'm a huge proponent of being vocal about it because the more people hear about it, the more normal it becomes, the more it gets normalized. And then someone who's like, oh, and like you said, you're looking at TikTok videos. You're like, oh, I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. Like there's other people who are going through this. And that just knowing that alone helps so much. Absolutely. You don't feel alone. You don't feel ostracized. And, and even if your family is doing that, you do realize and you do know that there's another family that's, that's going through the same thing and that, that has your back. And I think it's the same thing um, with ADHD and any of those other things. And, and and I really love how you brought up that point about how the younger generation is more vocal about it. And man, you are so right. My generation, our generation, and, and the generations before, it was like, it was all about picking up, you know, your bootstraps and you got to oh, yeah. work hard and do the things. And then this next generation is more like, um, they're more in tune with their emotions and their feelings and things like that. And there's a little bit of pushback from the older generation. Cause they're like, Oh, you're just, you're just a whiny baby or you're just complaining or you're not really broken. You're just lazy, you know, all these kinds of things. And it's because they don't understand. However, the more we talk about it, the more it's out there, the more like, the more people are willing to kind of go, oh, well, maybe, maybe this is a thing. Maybe they're not being lazy. Maybe they're not um, not trying, you know? Maybe there is something. And then they look at themselves and go, wait a minute, maybe I'm not perfect. And I want everyone to know that if you're listening, we're all fucked up. Yes, Every single person 100%. is not, you know what I mean? Like we all have our thing. And if we stop hiding it from each other and we start being honest about it and being authentic, we can help each other. And then that just makes everyone, you know, become better versions of themselves, themselves. And I also like how you said um, the stigma between men and women, right? The, the gender difference, Huge. Yep. which is, it's weird that, that, so like back in the day, have you heard of um, hysteria? Yes. Mm-hmm. Only women had hysteria. Mm-hmm. How insane is that? But I think that just kind of goes to prove it where it's like absolutely hysteria was because women were not being controlled when they were in those hysterical states. That's how it's seen. Mm -hmm. But it's this idea that from such an early age, anyone that we identify to be male, we give them a more rigid set of rules to adhere by. That is, you can only show 
one like outward emotion and that is anger. And so like, you know, we don't see that happening to little girls that we do with little boys. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that right there is what essentially lays in that shame that like, fuck, it goes both ways. Like most women do not feel comfortable with a man crying. And I'm just going to speak in the binary right now because it's a little easier for this topic. And then we also are the ones that yell at them to be like, hey, show me more emotion. But then don't give them the space to have those emotions. It's a systematic problem. Absolutely. Like women participate in too. Mm -hmm. Because like I've talked about this on our podcast, but like growing up, me and my little brother, the biggest like critique, like I always told him was that he's too sensitive. You know, he needs to toughen up. He needs to stop like crying, blah, blah, blah. And that's so wrong. That's so wrong because we are all humans. We all experience the full range of like emotions, you know, and we should be able to express that to each other. But like Gaia said, it is really hard as a society trying to fight against that. And it's still a work in progress and it always will be a work in progress. But especially again, not to harp on it, but like the tattoo industry is very male dominated. Very. And you said that you, you know, you've been in recovery for 16 years. Yeah. The tattoo industry is also like prevalent with uh, drug abuse and um, alcohol abuse. And, you know, yeah. like that. it's 100%. like it's saturated in it. Yeah. And so many people aren't talking about it. And I think it would be less saturated in substance abuse if we all sat down and had a genuine conversation of like, dude, like something's not working out here. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, like yeah, and I think it's important, too, that um that we have cross-gender conversations, you know, like how we are, because you're going to have a completely different perspective on not just li- not just like life, but like the tattoo industry. And whereas I, you know, being a cis white male, and I'm not even ashamed to say it, I've had pretty much everything given to me the whole time. I mean, obviously, I had to work hard to get to where I am, but mm-hmm. I didn't have nearly as many barriers. And I'm uh, fully aware of that. And so that's one of the things that I really try to um, try to focus on as well, because the whole toxic masculinity thing is so perpetuated in the in the tattoo industry. Maybe not so much now, and and we can thank the newer generation for that. But like, yeah, back in the day, if you I can't, like you, I can't imagine what it was like to be a, a a woman as a as a an apprentice in the early two thousands, or even worse in the nineties. Yeah, um, we have a dark joke about it. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, she's, I love dark jokes. she's the first um, female apprentice um, that that we knew at the time, like a female artist that we had um, working at the studio that hadn't been molested during her apprenticeship. Whoa! Um, and that's strictly because I was her mentor, and you know, she's not my type. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just the and it was crazy to like to be talking about that because we're talking about it so freely. Because I am one. Um, I think it's just partly just who I've always been. Like I am very much like, hey. I'm not going to hide this. I'm going to be really open about the fact that like, yeah, I did not know that that was wrong when it was happening to me. Right. But in future generations of artists, I want to make sure that that's really vocal. And um, in our industry as a whole, because it is very male dominated, you do have that toxic masculinity in there that even when I would addressed it with like previous um, employers, that an artist would be like, 
honestly just being sexually inappropriate and like grabbing the women, nothing was done because it's so prevalent in our industry Mm -hmm. that even, you know, just a couple years ago, that was an issue. And I think it's through having these conversations and through us educating artists and also educating like owners that this is not okay. Yeah. Um, that then we're able to have those like conversations. Right. Cause like we, I've seen the shift um, as we've all started having more honest conversations in the studio. And it honestly started between like Mark Moots, our manager and myself pushing these emotional conversations and then him going out and doing his own work. Right. And then the dynamic of the shift in our studio, that it is not this like guys versus gals anymore, right. that it is yeah. truly becoming an actual like just everyone can speak their mind. And if someone has a problem, we bring it up, we address it. Mm. And it doesn't just turn into like, oh, they're women. They're just being bitchy. Right. And us being like, you're a man. You don't have emotions. Right. But it's through having those conversations and bridging that gap and also all parties recognizing, because I think that's the biggest thing with healing is recognizing the part you've played is to not be yeah. like, hey, it's an old boys club. So I'm pissed off at every male artist that was ever there. But to be like, hey, all of us played a part in this toxic culture. So all of us need to step forward and address it. Yeah. Right. And own up to it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Because yeah, there was a huge divide. Um you said just just a couple years ago where um we are team players absolutely now and we're a stronger team than ever but there was a huge divide of like again oh well the women are all friends so obviously they're all gonna have a problem if something happens no it's like a genuine like problem mm-hmm. yeah. you know so yeah and what a that. king mark is isn't he oh yeah I it's amazing i've He's known him a long time single-handedly He's... changing the culture yeah that's like, amazing of tattooing yeah it's phenomenal yeah, we have Vienna that works at the shop at uh, at Lasting Dose now, and <clears throat> I've always wanted to like chat with her about about her experience being being a woman tattooer. And like you said, I mean, it's obvious there's like fucking eight tattooers at Lasting Dose, and one of them is a woman, right? So yeah, it's, like, it's right? the disparity, yeah. the the huge divide. <laughs> we do have Tamson, oh. who's a uh, she's English, and she's she's there from time to time, um, and like. I love to watch it because those two are just bros, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, they're the only two girls there. So, um, and there's nothing toxic that goes on in the shop. It's just, it's probably nice for her to see another woman in this male-dominated type industry. Yeah, we talk, um, Mark and I had a discussion about this, and we've talked about it previously on our podcast, Mm -hmm. about the... um, the gender differences aren't just with how other like artists treat us, but it's how clients treat us. Oh yeah. So um, like when I had brought up in the past, when we were kind of making the shift as a studio to be more like just custom and we're not here to just do what people want us to do, but to come in as a way of saying, Hey, um, I, you know, I'm not going to do that. And Oh my gosh, I don't even know how many times we'd had this discussion and it genuinely felt like beating my head against the wall being like, look, you as a man can say, no, I'm not willing to tattoo that. However, whenever I say no, as someone, even though I personally identify as non-binary, I present very feminine. Yeah. Um. So as somebody who people see as a woman, when I say no, I get a bad review or they go to my boss. Oh, yeah. That's a huge thing. What? They don't talk yeah. to us. They'll, no. they'll just straight up bypass us as artists and they will go to Mark. 
yeah. and be like, she was aggressive or she was this or she was that. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. You're joking. I've said no to clients that like, hey, I'm not going to do that next project. And like we've talked about this quite a bit. Um, that when I say no, like, hey, I'm not the best artist for you for this project just because it's a style that I prefer to not do. Mm-hmm. Um, even, oh, my God, I think I did this two weeks ago. I had a consult and they the client themselves will be like, well, yeah, I don't want you to tattoo anything that you don't feel like you could tattoo. Oh, that's <gasps> huge. Yes. You're and I'm like, it's not yes. that I couldn't. It's that I don't want to. I'm like, an autonomous fucking human. Yeah, I can yeah. do whatever I want. But it's that very wow. difference yeah. in like how we as like, you know, women are perceived by clients that if I say no, then either they go to my boss or they just assume that I cannot do it. Mm. However, I watch the guys in a much more aggressive way say, absolutely not. That's a stupid idea. And nothing happens. Whereas if you go and look at like any of my bad reviews, none of them ever have anything to do with my tattoos. I've never had a bad review about a tattoo. Um, I only get bad reviews based off of my appearance or how somebody perceived that I treated them. What do you mean your appearance? Um, I have reviews on how um, my lily white ass was hanging out. Mind you, I'm wearing like shorts shorts underneath my skirts and dresses. I've I've seen how you dress. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And I've had reviews stating that I would not tattoo this client because they did not have a six pack like me, which is actually like kind of a compliment because I've never had a six pack. But thanks for thinking I do. Wait, wait, hold on. Hold on a second. They said that you wouldn't tattoo them because they didn't have a six pack like you did. Yes. And it's merely that I was explaining that because the placement that they wanted was not going to be flattering to their body because it didn't flow. Mm -hmm. And so like I have a tattoo right in my waistline Mm -hmm. and honestly it looks terrible. Like nothing against the artist that put it there. It's just that it doesn't have any sort of flow. It doesn't work with the body. And we were talking about overall flow and the other artists in the studio were like, dude, you were so nice to that client. And I just explained that, like, look, this is not going to look nice on your body. Like, you have an hourglass shape, and it's going to cut into the, like, actual flow. And then the person said, okay, yeah, I totally understand. Went home and told the world. One-star review. Yeah. One-star review <sighs> that I refused to tattoo them because they didn't have a six-pack like I did. Was it a woman? Yeah. So, so this discrimination is from both men and women. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I'm not surprised, but I'm also fucking shocked. Right? Yeah. It's you know crazy. What I mean? Yeah. Normally like when male artists like hear this for the first time, they're like, are you fucking serious? I'm like, dude, the fact that you are like so shocked is like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's like, that speaks token. volumes for yeah. what's actually happening. Oh yeah. A thousand percent. And the only time someone like takes it well, when I say no to their piece is if I demean myself and we had mm-hmm. to have a conversation about that too where she caught me in the middle of a consult saying, I'm not comfortable doing this. And mm-hmm. then a guy had to pull me aside and she's like, you can do it though. I know you can. You just, just don't want to. Right. So you shouldn't have to sell yourself short. Absolutely. To someone and yeah. say that you can't do it because you can, you just don't want to. And you need to be firm in that because you don't, you're a good artist. You don't have to do that. And I'm like, fuck, I, I didn't even realize I was doing it. Right. You know? I was like, oh shit. That it's was just been like nice. a survival mechanism for you this whole time. Basically, yeah. It was just a weird, subtle thing that snuck in. And now it's like, even even now I feel so uncomfortable and I try my best to push myself to be like, I'm not going to do that. You know, that's not something I want right. to do. And it's hard. It's I, As a people pleaser, it's hard. Yeah. I'm so <laughs> sorry that that happens to you guys. Like, All good. It's not, I mean. I know it's not my fault, but it's like, 
man, that's Isn't that crazy. But I think that's where conversations like this are important because right. like, yeah, most male artists don't realize that mm-hmm. same right. as like, I have to wear makeup to work. Yeah. If I don't, clients will treat me completely differently. Really? And it can be clients that I've seen numerous times. And if we have not developed a really good relationship, if I don't wear makeup, then they'll be like, are you feeling okay? If you're not feeling up to tattooing today, you don't have to tattoo me. Oh, that's a big thing too. Yeah. Big, big thing. Or they're yeah. like, if you're not feeling good, then like, and it's like, dude, I, I'm an adult. I can be, I will be able to gauge whether or not I can come to work and tattoo you. My eyeliner has nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because yeah. you're listening to this podcast and not watching it, you don't know. I'm shaking my head. I'm I'm almost like mad. I can't believe I'm hearing this. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. God, what do we do about that? Just talking about it, I guess. Uh, yeah. And maybe uh, other some of the other. And I, I don't know. Maybe this might sound sexist, but I don't mean it to be. But maybe some of the guys like keeping keeping an eye and then just being like, "Hey, don't fucking talk to tattooers like that." Don't maybe not like don't talk to women tattooers like that, but just don't talk to tattooers like that. Yeah, I think because the, the clients need to be educated too, right? Not just to other tattooers. Yes. Yeah, I think it's through um, backing up the artists because yeah. that was always my biggest issue was that like I've worked for several like men, and typically when the client would complain, it was typically because I said no about something, yeah. and they would run straight to my boss. Mm-hmm. And be like, hey, she was rude. She was a bitch. And like now, once again, Mark Moots is phenomenal. And so Mark will just be like, I know that she can be what you deem as aggressive because mm-hmm. I am a very blunt individual. Right. And if I had a dick, they'd be like, man, he's an amazing leader. He's so well-spoken. Totally. But because I have breasts, then it's, hey, she is aggressive. She's right. A bitch. Um, and so he will come to my corner and be like, look, I know that like you're not used to hearing that from a woman, but like she has the right to say no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he will back me up. And I think that that's the thing is like having artists back them up. And also he reminds me that when I start to cave to be like, it's fine, I'll just do it. Like, I don't want to deal with the fight. And he'll be like, no, don't do that. Yeah. And he'll hold me accountable to my own standards. Yes. Yeah. I mean, even... So there'll be times when it happens with me, it happens with tons of tattooers Mm -hmm. where the client wants a thing and then the tattooer is like, that's not going to work because you want too much, you want 20 pounds of shit in a one pound bag that's not working or the placement's weird, like a myriad of different excuses, not excuses, but reasons why that tattoo is not going to work. And and if they're still kind of um, pushing back, I'll just grab another tattooer. Hey, what do you think? I don't think this is going to work. What do you think? And they'll, and they'll be like, yeah, no, that's definitely not going to work. And when you have two opinions, mm-hmm. a lot of times the client will be like, oh, okay, well, then that makes sense. So maybe like there's something in that, mm-hmm. especially, it doesn't happen to me so much now as like an older tattooer and and I'll just tell my clients to fuck off. <laughs> like, yeah, no, But like when you're younger and you're first learning, it's really hard to tell people no. And so like newer tattooers, if I'm in a, cause I've, I tattoo in different shops all over the world. And I, like, if there's a newer tattoo and I hear them kind of struggling to like talk to their client, maybe I shouldn't, but I feel like I, I, as an older tattooer, I feel like it's my responsibility to kind of be like, no, he's totally right. Like he's trying to give you the best tattoo that he can give you. And this idea is not the best thing for you or for him or her or whoever it is. And, Almost 99% of the time, the client's like, oh, okay, yeah, I see. Because, I mean, 
it's hard to put yourself in, in at least for me, to put myself in a client's shoe because I've been tattooed so many times. I forget how important tattoos can be for people, especially in their first, you know, couple of them. You know, and you'll hear clients, oh, I've been thinking about this for 10 years. Like wh- whether that's true or not, it's not the point. They have this idea of what this tattoo is going to be and do. And then when you tell them no, you've basically just crushed their entire worldview. But if there's two of you, or three, or the whole fucking shop if you have to, yeah. it helps them go, okay, well, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. And 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 a lot of times I'll tell I'll tell some clients, look, you've seen my portfolio, you've seen what I'm what I'm capable of doing. You came to me specifically, so you need to trust that I know what I'm talking about. Um also, I guess now I'm learning that because I'm male, I can get away with saying yeah. these kinds of things, <laughs> uh, which sucks. But I don't know if, if, and that's, that's, I don't know if we talked about this during the podcast or if it was on your podcast or I I don't know, we've talked a lot today, but like, (laughs) I really want the tattoo industry. We need to be behind each other. We need to have each other's backs because at the end of the day, whether you're, whether you're doing traditional or Japanese or black and gray or whatever, none of that matters. We're all trying to give the client the best tattoo that we can possibly do. At least most tattooers. Like maybe I can't speak for all of them, but we're all on the same team, so we should be helping each other. Absolutely. So now, now, like, well, I won't be at the shop for a while now, but like now I'm, I feel myself like if I know there's a, tat- a, a woman tattooer in the shop, I'm going to be kind of keeping her in my periphery. So, but I don't want to be the savior, right? Like I don't want to be that, but I also want, I would do it for any tattooer, whether it's a, a guy or a girl. If I see them struggling with their client, um, Man, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those really interesting things that I thought would get easier because, you know, I've been in the industry now for, fuck, almost 20 years. Right. Um, next year will be 20 years that I've been in the industry. And you with your six-year apprenticeship. Yeah, yeah. with the longest <laughs> apprenticeship known to man. Um, <laughs> and I thought that as I got older, because I was like, okay, cool. Like when I, for some reason, thought like when I turn 30, people will respect me. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's sad because honestly, it just doesn't happen. Like every single shop I go into, I deal with a new aspect of sexism and then I have to address that. And it's a really slow, tedious process to get to a point where like there was a place when, um, I had a shop in South Carolina that we were an all female studio just because it made it fucking easier being that we had women owners and most male artists were just not down to listen. Right. So then, and that's part of the reason why, like for me personally, I mentor either queer people or like women right. or non-binary individuals right. because I'm trying to expand that area of our like yeah. industry and to give a safe place yeah. for them. But I think it just happens through, yeah, through conversations mm. and through that observation but viewing it as a sense of if that artist says no, she's not being a bitch. She's doing the same exact thing you do, but the, the clients will react massively different. Right. And yeah. recognizing that and then being like, hey, look, I'm here in her corner. This this might be controversial of me to say on the podcast. Do but it. it is. I will do it. I will <laughs> send it. <laughs> I'm saying the thing. It is a big red flag for me when people ask specifically for a female artist. Oh, I fucking hate that. Really? Yes, only because it it I I would say I would say eight times out of ten when someone requests a female artist and it has nothing to do with like 
placement because there are several tattoos where it's like okay yeah i get it if you want your like nipples tattooed and you you're more comfortable with a female artist doing that or like let's say your groin tattooed okay i get that right right but if it's just like a wrist tattoo or whatever like you know obvious placement that doesn't have anything to do with like actual i don't know harassment or whatever um i eight times out of ten will meet with this person and they want a female tattoo artist because they expect me to bend over backwards and they expect me to be softer and they expect me to quite literally just do what they say even if it's a terrible like idea as in not like art wise but like functionality wise like i'm not gonna do like a i don't know like a (laughs) two by two portrait of your grandma with the tiniest lettering known to man i'm not gonna do that for you but like eight times out of ten when people ask for a female tattoo artist they expect me to just say yes are are you talking about women asking for women or men also asking for women tattooers? Both. So you've had a male client ask for a woman specific tattooer. I can't tell you how many times that's what? been the case. I've had a male client like specifically call call my name out and like harass the shop. Call three different times to get into my books, email them. And then proceed to DM me and say, hey, I'm sorry, I know that like your bio says no DMs and I might be crossing a boundary, but I, your front desk won't let me get tattooed by you. I just recently got divorced and it has to be you. Shut the fuck up. <sighs> Shit's crazy. Shit's so <laughs> creepy. I'm going to start like, throwing shit. Dude, I was literally I'm like, angry. y'all, I'm, I'm going to get abducted. <laughs> like, right? He's going to like abduct me in the parking lot and make no. me tattoo him. And you're all like, laughing about so it. Weird. It's awful. All you can do is laugh, honestly, because (laughs) it's really funny. It's just one of those things that, like, is genuinely part of our industry. And through, you know, through things like this, people become aware of it and then can be like, holy shit. But it's the fact of, like, how long have you been in the industry? Long time. Yeah. And that's the thing is that for most of us, we just don't talk about it because oftentimes like when I brought up hey this guy's harassing us or like this guy's groping us or like we've worked with artists who would get super aggressive to the females in the studio whether it was the artists or the front desk and then only the females yeah yeah and they wait till all the other guys leave and then they'll get in their faces and then when you bring it up it's not always that it's like dismissed it's also that nothing happens. Right. So you get to a place where it's like, okay, yeah. Like for me personally, if you ask for a female artist, I, I don't know. I'm also just offended for every one of like my male friends. Yeah. Then I'm like, fuck you. Not every male artist is creepy. And also I have been tattooed by women that have much heavier hands. And a lot of times, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. they'll be like, hey, well, you're going to be lighter. And I'm like, that's not true. Also I not know true. several female artists <laughs> right. that will like they rock climb. They yeah. have incredibly strong hands. Yeah. yeah, I've been tattooed by Annie Frenzel. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, she is like a she's called the German hammer for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, yeah, holy shit. Yeah, that's awesome. On my hand. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Um, and it transcends the tattoo industry too. It's all it's all industries, I would argue, or at least mm-hmm. most some. Um, but so I wanted to, we kind of we kind of glazed over it, and I think it's really important. Something that you said earlier. Um, if we don't want to talk about it, then we don't. But I just want you said that Callie was the first apprentice woman apprentice that you knew that wasn't sexually harassed during her apprenticeship, mm-hmm. and we just went we just went past it really quickly, and I wanted to 
to bring that. I wanted to let you know that that landed on me and that I heard it and that that's horrific and awful. But again, I know more, I know more women that have been sexually harassed than I know who haven't. Oh yeah. That is awful. And, and, and I do appreciate that, that my relationship with these women was close enough that they felt safe to tell me these things. But it's like, we got to talk about that. Like that needs to be out in the open and, 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 it's not just the tattoo industry. It's all, it's everything. It's just, just in general. And I, I think that obviously, you know, I'm not female and I don't have that experience, but all of all of those ones, I would argue that one, 2% actually said something about it because I know that most of them, when they do say something about it, it somehow gets turned back on the female. And I don't understand how that works. Like, wait, you're the victim, but you're at fault for it. That makes no sense to me. So then I get when women are like, well, why bother saying anything? Because nothing's going to happen about it. My name's going to get dragged through the mud. I'm going to be put on the stand. I'm going to be questioned when it's like, why are you the one being questioned? And yeah, sure. You're going to be some pushback. What about those who lie? Okay. I'm going to say 0.00000.1054% are lying about it, right? Like that's not something that you really, really lie about. Um, So I'm glad that you brought that up because I want the listeners who are listening right now, one, to know they're not alone. And two, if you can, if, if you're able to speak up about it because just like with what we were talking about mental health, the more it's talked about, the more people know about it, the more, the more people will talk about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, like it, absolutely. It, it, it's like a snowball thing. Well, yeah. And I think that, I don't know, my approach to it has always been um, one of the good things my mom did was she taught me that you could either have something happen to you or you could be a victim. Um, and yeah. it's, it was something that like resonated with me. So it wasn't like, you know, I was 16 and my mentor was 34. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, it was all, <laughs> this sounds terrible, all done in good fun um, where he would make jokes about like, oh, if I have gloves on, it doesn't count while he's like, you know, touching my tits and my ass. And at 16, you know, you don't necessarily know. And like yeah. my mom would drop me off at his house. So like I didn't, you know, I was like, okay, well. She knows what's happening. Like nothing wrong here is happening. And it's kind of just like part of why a lot of times we don't say anything is because, A, nothing's going to happen. I'm going to be a bad guy. Um, When I finally did stand up to myself to this guy when I was 19, it got really ugly and I was getting harassing phone calls from other other tattoo artists. I'm sure. That were harassing me, threatening to like come to my door and like do terrible things. Yeah. And so... I think that like by just talking about it and not stopping, it's allowed other artists to a, you know, like yourself, like become aware. Right. But like at the studio, like Mark and I talk about it, just it's a normal conversation. And Mm -hmm. I think that because I don't carry that shame that like for me, I'm like that it's something that happened to me, but it has nothing to do with me. Right. Um, it then also makes it essentially easier for him to be able to like hear about, because at first he's like, I don't want to hear about this. You know, it's a very uncomfortable topic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, totally. And then especially like for his case, like for it to happen, like under his nose, he's like, no, I don't want to like, that's a hard thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then us just being able to talk about like, Hey, the fact is like it happens. 
So you can't ignore it. And I think that that's the idea for me behind being really vocal is like, no, you don't get to ignore this problem right. when like, yeah, she's the first one that we had in that shop that hadn't had that problem. And that, that was a conversation between like four female artists, mm-hmm. you know? So like, that's like really bad numbers. There's a whole yeah. numbers. Yeah. You've got one in four that hasn't. One in four that hasn't. Yeah. And that's just, that's, that's a small, um, that's a small sample size. So yeah. that's not even representative of the oh, whole yeah. thing. I'd no. say it's more like three out of four. Yeah. Or oh, no. Yeah. One out of 10 or something like that. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I feel like it's way worse. Than, yeah. yeah. I got that backwards. Yeah. No, I know math. <laughs> but I, and I think that's it is that like, as we, you know, there is the larger systemic, uh, like problem of sexism and the patriarchy. But I think that like, as we continue it as an industry, women speaking up and then also men believing. Right. Yeah. Like the, the fact that like yeah. you'll have us on this on your podcast and talk about it is so refreshing. Because, yeah. Cool. Again, yeah, a lot of a lot of male tattoo artists like to bury it because I wouldn't say it's always out of like disbelief, but it is out of discomfort because mm-hmm. it is it is uncomfortable to think yeah. about. Yeah. And I think um one of the things, yeah, A talking about it will help, but B, if you are a male tattoo artist, you have a certain power yeah. in your shop. Um, to change things and so if you see something say something do yeah. something like it's it's one thing to be about it because i feel like a lot of men are about it you know what i mean they're like yeah obviously that's wrong but mm. like when it comes to their faces or they see it for themselves they don't actually do anything and yeah that's where it that's where it counts right you know yeah what I mean? absolutely if you're gonna be about it be about it totally. <laughs> and i well, think it's also building that culture like within studios to be like hey I want you to know that like if at any point anyone ever makes you feel uncomfortable that you say something to me right. and that you actually like you said be about it you stand behind them so when we, you know when we do present issues mm-hmm. of hey this person is being very threatening like I don't feel safe um that something actually happens and happens in a timely manner because that's right. typically the problem is that like we'll go to somebody and be like hey this person is being scary and it's usually downplayed. And like she said, it's not downplayed out of a place of like malice. It's downplayed because they're like, oh, but I like this guy. Right, right, and I'm like, right. You can like him, but that doesn't mean that he's not a fucking predator. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the pushback that comes back from um, from men specifically, um, <clears throat> I would imagine it's, it's like if when you say the word man or men, a lot of times we wear that as if it was us. Mm -hmm. And so the pushback is like, well, I would never do that. So why am I getting roped into this? And Mm -hmm. and I want to tell those people that we're not talking about you. Right. And, and sometimes you'll hear like, um, Oh my God, you can't even like, can't even like touch a woman anymore without them, you know, getting upset. I'm like, no, you shouldn't be touching women anyway. Like that's not, it's not about that. Then yeah. yeah, don't do it. Don't do it to them. Yeah, like you wouldn't like, walk up and touch a guy on his hip when you walk past yes, him. Yes, yes. You, you see it all the time. Uh huh. Yeah. Depending on the situation, obviously, if you're in a tight space, you want them to know that you're there. But like, you'll see it. I've seen it before. But I think that's the thing is that you said that specifically. Like, depending, you know, if you're in a tight space, you can tell the difference. Oh, Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. And for that's sure. the thing is that you can tell that intention behind it. Right. 
versus being like, okay, cool, like you just like brushed against me, whatever that shit right. happens. Like, you know, veterans day, we're all in tight quarters. Yeah. And I am that person that because I grew up in a very like touchy feely situation, I will just straight like reach around people. Right. And I'm always just like, you're, you don't have to move. Like, I'm just going to reach, I'm not going to touch you, but I'm going to reach around you. Yeah, and yeah. I'm always very verbal about that. But you can tell the difference between those where it's like, okay, hey, like, did that dude just graze my boob for a little bit too long? Yeah, yeah. Or was yeah. that, and it's usually, and that's the case, like, yeah. where, you know, we've had that at conventions, and then I'd have to go back and talk to other, like, women and be like, did, did your boob get grabbed? And then all of us are like, oh, all of a sudden it's yeah. Like, oh, you did that to every single person. Oh, yeah. Holy Except for you. Right. Which is another hilarious story, because, because I'm fucking Asian, I can always tell it's... It, it was horrible. So I can always tell when dudes are like specifically not into Asians. So I didn't get groped during that convention, which is yeah. really funny because <laughs> I'm like, it's just not into Asians. But I also get the other side of it where people over fetishize the fuck out of me where I'm like, oh, my God, you're so fucking weird. Yeah. Like so fucking weird. Yeah. yeah. And I hear stories like this. And so like when I'm tattooing someone and, and I'll do it to guys, too, but most times it's with with when I'm tattooing um, women. I'm, you know, you're in the zone and you're not paying attention. And then I look down and I'm like, oh my God, my arm has been touching her boob for, I don't even know how long. So what I'll do is say, I'll just be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to touch your boob. And as long as it's out, right, it's mm-hmm. out in the open and, it's, and, and you're, you're explaining your intention, it's all fine. And so many of my female clients say that's the first time a tattooer's ever said, sorry for touching your boob or... I'll say like I'm gonna have to go into a kind of a weird place. Is that okay? You know, so I'm I'm I keep a dialogue with them and I and I keep it open and and fun because there are times I and I've even seen it like when I was a younger tattooer where it's like that looks really inappropriate. Why are you like tattooing her like that? You know, when or you like, don't why, need to. Why are you tattooing her arm and you? Asked her to take her shirt off. Yeah, like that the old, so, oh, yeah. those old school tattoos where it's like a woman's topless and she has like a butterfly in her forearm. Dude, and you're literally. like, what? Yeah. You see it on social media all the time mm-hmm. that I I will specifically unfollow these artists when it's like, okay, so I get it. She has her sternum tattooed, mm-hmm. but she doesn't need to be topless right. for this photograph. Right. Like, what the fuck are yeah. we doing that, that she you feel? Yeah. yeah. Why is she? Why yeah. is her bra off? Well, I've noticed this new thing on on um, on social media. I don't know how new it is, but I've noticed it. It's like these tattooers will be showing them drawing tattoos on people, mm-hmm. but it's only on women and it's only on their front panels. Yes. Oh yeah, that is a new thing. It is like a it's new cool thing. that you're drawing it on. That's dope. I can't do that. But why are you only? I know why mm-hmm. because we it gets views. Know why. We all right? know why. Yeah. And and. And the one one guy that I saw, it's, it was his girlfriend, so obviously he had her permission to do it. But it's like he's you're perpetuating that. And and if I'm being completely honest with you guys, when I was a younger tattooer, when I go to conventions, I would tattoo women on Friday, yeah, because people would come by and take pictures of me tattooing a hot girl, and then I would get appointments, you know, for the next the next weekend. And it's awful. And oh, I sure. and I, I mean, I do feel bad that I did it. But it wasn't, there wasn't any malice there. I just knew how the system worked. But I didn't realize that I was perpetuating the whole thing. So oh, I don't, I I don't do that now. What's that? I did the opposite. I would grab like the burliest motherfucker ever. <laughs> yeah. One of my buddies, we tattooed Deadpool, like sitting literally right above his dick. So like his legs like hang 
on like either oh side. Um, and like he's like a rodeo clown. <laughs> like, That's and hilarious. I did that on a Friday at a convention. Right. So I was like, well, I know this is going to get lots of people because attention. they're just going to see. Absolutely. And I would go with like, okay, yeah. give me the burliest motherfucker mm-hmm. here that looks like every artist. I was like, and I'm going to tattoo this person right. because then I know that every nor every artist is going to be like, oh shit, they'll tattoo like my type. Right. Um, but back to what you were saying about having to like warn, like, Hey, I'm going to have to tattoo in this position. Yeah. Um, we talk about this quite a bit cause like we'll move our clients and we're very like handsy with clients. And I will say to clients, I'm like, damn, it would suck to be a male tattoo artist because oh, sure. you have to right. give that preface, but right. I have to give a preface that if I'm going to tattoo you, um, I just do it like standard across the board. I'm like, Hey, just so you know, this is a full contact sport. So like right. when you're, when I'm tattooing your forearm, my boobs are going to rest in your hand. Right. I was like, so full your job sport. is to <laughs> <laughs> full contact sport. I'm like, so my boobs are going to rest on you at some right. point. I am not going to notice during the tattoo. And your one job is that if my boob is on your hand, just leave it there. Don't move your arm. Right. Yeah. And like, I give that warning because, because it, it is a case for me. Awkward for you. Yeah, they'll yeah. get really awkward. They'll be like, all of a sudden, guys, clients, it's so funny. If she doesn't have that spiel, they'll be like, <gasps> like you could tell that. They get all tense and nervous. Yeah. And, weird. and I'm like, why are you being weird? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, because my Cause fucking you're a good human being and boobs on your ear. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, mean yeah. I wouldn't be mad. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I feel like it has to have that warning because yeah. so many people get uncomfortable. But then I'm that. also super like touchy feely. So totally. like I will drape myself over clients, which is why I yeah. learned to be like, let me give you this warning. Yeah. So you're not like, um. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah, that's cool. I, you know what? I'm gonna steal that. I'm gonna start doing that because I mm-hmm. usually when I have to explain to someone, I mean, nine ninety nine percent of my clients who are getting tattoos in precarious places, they already know. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, they're already aware of it. But I just like to have it out in the open so that there's no misinterpretation of any of my movements. Um, I also don't want them to think that, you know, just because I'm telling you doesn't give me license to touch you wherever I want. Mm-hmm. But I also want you to know that when I get in the zone, I'm not really paying attention to what my extremities are doing. Absolutely. And if my boob, if my, if my boob, <laughs> if, you're, yeah, if, if my boob lands on your them, hand, yeah. I mean, no, when my elbow is in your boob or something, just know, I, yeah, it's not on purpose. It's just one of those things. Or like if I'm tattooing under a boob, I'm like, look, I'm going to have to grab your boob and move it. Yep. Yeah. Unless you want to do it. Yeah, yep. I'll give them the option a lot of times, and most most of them are just like, "Oh yeah, I don't care," right. um, you know. And yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, and in, in, in communication really is key for all of these issues we've been talking about, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't matter any of them, and and the more we hold stuff in and don't communicate it with with our fellow humans, we're not going to get anywhere. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm 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 enjoying this conversation quite a bit. <laughs> I'm learning a lot. I wasn't expecting to. I wasn't expecting anything to be honest. But like, um, I'm having fun. I'm having I knew so I knew it was going to be a good conversation. Like when I told you on on Instagram, I was like, I think this will be a fun, uh, a fun and interesting conversation. And it's been mostly fun, but also like horrifying. <laughs> you oh know? boy! <laughs> uh. Yeah, I think. Well, it's like you said. I think communication is key. Like one of the things that I get a lot of times after um, a consultation is because I explain everything to my client. I explain at the consultation, it's a full contact sport. I'm going to like, this is where I'm going to be at. That's how you're going to be. I tell my clients how to dress. So that way you don't have that awkward place of like, okay, so we are tattooing your entire back 
and you came in wearing like a super tight shirt. A onesie. That, yeah, yeah, or <laughs> yeah. that case where so yeah. I go through literally everything because I think that um like you were saying earlier how we forget what it's like for clients a lot of times. Yeah. And I often um do things that really scare me. Like I try to do that quite often where it's like taking classes and just doing shit that's generally scary. Mm -hmm. So that way when clients come in, cause I don't know if you notice this, like how many times during consults are their hands shaking? Oh, oh yeah. Like Adorable. we're terrifying to yeah, them. Absolutely. Yeah. And so yeah. I try to like put myself in that position a lot. So that way I can have the empathy for them right. that in that time I can be like, Hey, I personally like to know a lot of stuff. So then I take the time to explain to them everything beforehand and then I reiterate when I come in. But that way, at least it's not as scary because I've not lost that. I've never right. lost that ability to look at them and be like, this is fucking terrifying for you because like, fuck, I don't do like guest spots because the idea of going into someone else's shop is fucking terrifying. Yeah. That I'm like. Fuck, that's terrible. I don't yeah. go to other shops here in Reno. Yeah, we've never been inside Plastic really? Dose. So when you were mm -mm. like, there's an art gallery, I said, oh. <laughs> yeah, because that's also another one of those, like, as it's a female scary. artist, yeah. you don't get the same, like, I can't be buddy-buddy right. with, like, other guys. Because most of the time when I walk into a shop and I'm like, oh, I'm a tattoo artist, you just get dismissed. Like, when I was looking for a job. Oh, yeah. It was fucking terrible that people thought that I was shopping my husband's portfolio around instead of my own. What? Yeah. I was down in Jack's beach, right? This is a fun little story. Um, mm -hmm. uh, my husband was stationed down in Jacksonville, Florida, mm -hmm. and I owned a shop in South Carolina, but I just wanted to tattoo like a couple like days a week down there. So I was like, we'll see, you know, right. hopefully I can do that. Um, and I went to, I think there were 22 tattoo shops and I went to 21 cause one of them was just straight closed. Like, no one was ever there. Um, four of them told me outright, we won't hire women. What? Uh, yeah, just outright, which you couldn't do that in another fucking industry. No. But there are no workers' rights in our industry. Yeah, there's no union. <laughs> yeah, there's no union for yeah. tattoo artists. There's no HR for us. So. Um, I had one where like- Could I you was... imagine? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Um, that'd be the worst, worst HR job ever. ever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I went into one shop and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm trying to, you know, my husband's stationed at Mayport and I'm just trying to like work a couple of days a week because, you know, I'm only down here on the weekends. Um, and the person like completely misunderstood me and they're like, wow, he has beautiful work, you know, flipping through my portfolio. And I was like, oh, no, this is my work. And the guy just deadpan looks me straight in the face, slams my portfolio and he said, we're not interested and slid it back. And I was like, what the fuck? You were so interested when you thought it was my husband who is full time in the fucking Navy and would only be here every once in a while. You were totally down for his work. But the moment you saw I was attached to it, absolutely not. And then there was a couple that were on Jack's Beach and one guy was just like, look, I already have a chick. So if I hired another chick, she'd quit. So what? like I can't do that. That's yeah, that's thing. another thing within our industry. So yeah. it's that funny that you said that there's only one like female artist that is at your studio most of the time. Yeah. Because most shops have that one obligatory female artist. And it's so that way they will handle the people that only want to get tattooed by a woman. Like a token. Yeah. Token, yeah. Right. And it's that idea of like, um, I don't know if you ever read the book uh, Lean In. Mm -mm. Where she talks about women and like executive positions right. and how that there's this idea of like scarcity that you're there's only one woman allowed like at the board 
like room table. Right. Um, and that's how so much of our industry is. For so diversity. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's your diversity hire right. as a woman, but also most women, when you go into, and she's been there for a minute, um, and this is just my experience, obviously our it could be changing. Hopefully mm. it's changing. Yeah. We hire multiple women at Mark Studios. Um, but you would go in and they'd be like, oh no, we already have a woman. Right. I'm like, can there not be two? And That's then the shitty part wild. is when I did get hired to shops that had one woman, it was terrible. She fucking hated me because I was the new girl. It was like Highlander. There can only be one. Yes, there can only be one. One seat at the table. Yeah. Well, I I can speak for Mike and say that he couldn't care less if you're a male or a female. So, yeah. Blasting Dose would be more than happy to have more than one female. We just only, well, we do have two. Tamsin. Yeah. um, She's, but she like kind of travels around. So, um, yeah, there are two there. And I think it's great because they bring a different dynamic to the shop. Absolutely. And plus, who fucking cares, right? Like, yeah. it should be anybody. Wow, I cannot believe that. Yeah. That's insane. It's like, so from my, pers- from, like, from my experience, when I was in Santiago, Chile, I got my passport stolen, not in Santiago, in another part of Chile, <clears throat> and I had to go to the U.S. Embassy to get a new passport. And while I was waiting there, I was like, well, maybe I'll get a, can I get some money stolen too? So I was like, well, why don't I get a job? So I asked around, found the best tattoo shop in Chile or in, sorry, in in Santiago, walked inside, was like, I'm looking, I'm just in town for a couple of weeks looking for a place to tattoo. Here's my, my uh, Instagram. She looked at it, was like, yep, dope. You got a job done. Didn't even think twice about it. Damn. And like, that's how it feels the whole world is like, right? As, as, a, yeah. as a cis white male perspective, this the world is my oyster. So oh, hearing yeah. you tell me that, I'm just like, the fuck? That's horrible. Yeah, God no, you got to find like, um, not only is it finding that like safe shop where you're like, okay, cool. I know that I'll be good. But also finding like, yeah, finding someone who's willing to hire you. It's my phone, sorry. No, it's okay. You're okay. It's our podcast. You run the show. It's on vibrate. It's still fucking... I even took it off the table. It's still... Whatever. Well, you don't have headphones on, so I couldn't even hear it. Yeah, I was just making sure it wasn't my phone going off. Right. Yeah, we. I think that's the thing, though, is that, like, most... I don't think that, like, a lot of, like, the harm that's done in our industry is done by... Like a lot of people, I think there's just a lot of ignorance around it. Right. Um, so it's like, you know, back to that whole like mental health thing. Like the more we talk about it, oh my God, yes. the how more many, people become aware. How many artists are like in the midst of like being like horrible substance abusers and they don't even know it. Yeah, they don't absolutely. Even, they have no idea yeah. that like they have like an addiction. Yeah. They have like a problem. And like there's so yeah. many artists who have no, genuinely no idea. Yeah. No. And and eating disorders. Yes. On top of all that. Oh my god. You yes. know, and it's like, and it's it's like, oh, you're a tattooer, so you're a drunk or um, typically overweight, not healthy, mm-hmm. or you know what I mean. And it's it's almost acceptable, mm-hmm. but there, I feel like even though the straight edge movement did some damage, I think there was a a, a positive part that came out of that because these a lot of those straight edge tattooers were going to the gym. They were, they're sober, right? They were doing other awful things, but like, and they're also a tattooer. So it kind of changed that, um, the zeitgeist in a way that you don't have to be overweight, drunk, smoking cigarettes, tattooer. You can be fit. You can go to the gym. You can, 
do all these other things because at the end of the day, the better shape you are in, the longer you can tattoo. Absolutely. Yeah. And so like, even at, um, even at lasting dose, there's only one person who smokes there. Like they all smoke weed, but like only one who smokes cigarettes. And I don't think he even smokes all that afternoon anymore. When I first, when we first opened the shop, everyone except one person smoked. So like, I think there's this, this like kind of shift, especially when you go to a tattoo convention and you see older tattooers. Um, so for example, I was at this tattoo convention in Tennessee, Dave, um, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he was, he was an older, an older tattooer and, um, he had cancer or something, something was wrong with him and they were passing a hat around the, the tattoo convention for donations and on the surface, oh, that sounds really lovely. Like we're helping out our fellow tattooer, but at the same time, why does he have to do that? Yeah. Why? Why? Because these older tattooers are just like they're just running themselves into the ground, and they have no nothing for the future. And the newer the newer tattooers, they're like in Bitcoin. You know, they're they're investing. They're investing in their future. They're they're selling merch and they're doing things outside of tattooing, and they're they're taking care of their, their physical health, maybe not so much the mental health, that's, but that's why I want to talk about that. But you can see that, that, that these younger tattooers are going to last longer. Well, hopefully that's a goal, right? Yeah, I hope so. That's the goal. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, I don't know. She actually introduced me into fitness. Um, I require my apprentices <laughs> to work out. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not fucking kidding. I have like an apprentice hopeful right now. I'm Hell like, yeah. yeah, well, you better fucking start hitting the gym yeah. because I was not super active when I started tattooing. Um, and then I got into CrossFit after I've been tattooing for a couple of years. Right. And the difference it makes on my back yeah. is astronomical because Absolutely. like, yeah, I arguably have more muscle on my back with the exception of her than most of the other people at the shop. Um, and a lot of them have pretty bad back problems. Um, and I just saw it as a way of like, okay, so if I don't take care of my body, then how am I going to tattoo until like old age? Cause I knew the first time I ever tattooed that I was like done, this, this is it forever. Like this is the, this is what I was put on this earth to do. Like oh, it yeah. felt like so much better than any other art I'd ever created. So for me, even when I'm like drawing for my own fun, it is as an idea that this will then turn into a tattoo. Right. Because that is the ultimate form for me personally. Yeah. But um, I think it's interesting that you said that about how um, this younger generation is like planning on their future. Because something that I have noticed is that they still carry this idea that tattooing needs to be the end all be all. That like you should be nonstop creating art. Like this is your only love. Mm -hmm. And that, I find that it still hasn't sunk in to be like, hey, look, like you can do other stuff outside of this. Like, yeah, Yeah. you can have creative pursuits that are not just art. Like, you know, you can love weightlifting. You can love cooking. You can love like pole dancing. You can love doing other things Mm -hmm. because it's this idea that is like very present in our industry. And I'm not really sure what other industries it is as prevalent. Like I don't imagine that bankers go home and they're like, I got to only be working on banking. No, of course not. Cause that's an awful yeah, job. And they only post about it. Cause that's the right. whole reason why I have like a, a separate social media page is because when I would go to conventions, um, they'd be like, so you don't have like a, just your portfolio. 
Like, no, my Instagram is mine. It's yeah. me. It's just like, it's my dogs. It's my husband. It's my life. It's right. when I travel. It's when I'm having a bad day. Like, it's literally just a scrapbook. Mm-hmm. And I ended up getting a, um, like, a Guy and Marika Tattoos Instagram page that I very seldom post on because right. I just don't care, um, specifically for tattoo artists. Because there's this, like, weird thing that happens that they seem to get threatened when you have pursuits outside of tattooing. Really? Yeah. Have you not run into that? I mean, not necessarily threatened, but like Mm. I'll get eye rolls. There we go. Right. So like, um, I do tons of stuff outside of tattooing. I mean, I tattoo twice a week, (laughs) if that, but like, that's amazing. That keeps one that keeps my sanity. Right. Mm -hmm. Two keeps me from, getting burned out because I'm not tattooing. Cause like when I first started tattooing hundred percent, seven days a week, mm-hmm. like when we opened the shop, Mike and I were eating 99 cent Wendy's value meal, like shit and tattooing seven days a week. Oh. And it was rough. And I refuse to do that for the rest of my life. So I'll work like twice a week, you know, sometimes three times a week. And even then I'll get like weird looks from tattooers. Like, what do you mean? You're not on, what do you mean? You're not grinding every day. I don't want to grind. I'm 46. I'm yes. done grinding. You yes. know what I mean? You have the rest of your life to live. Exactly. And, and like you don't have to wait till you're like in your 30s or in your 40s to right. live the rest of your life. Yeah. You're allowed to have different facets Absolutely. of your personality. And like so I got into theater. I fucking yes. love theater. Yeah. So like I, it's still art, right? It's still, yeah. it's performance. It's a little bit different, but it's still art. It's still a creative outlet. It gives me joy and it's just something I can do outside of tattooing. Uh, photography i love taking photographs because it's creative it's something outside of it's something outside of tattooing but i'm still sharpening my creative tools my creative knives right um but some tattooers they just and it's fine like i get it whatever if if tattooing is your thing and, and that's cool and i totally respect that i only ask that you don't judge me because i want to do something outside of tattooing because it makes me a better tattooer the less I tattoo, which sounds super counterintuitive, but it's true. And I've seen it in my Instagram. So I have, I have a a tattoo Instagram and then I have my other Instagram and I can look through my Instagram and I can see the quality of my tattoos change based on how often I'm tattooing. So like when I basically stopped tattooing for like a year and a half, the very next sets of tattoos were fucking dope. Like they were so good. I was like, did I even really do that? It's because I gave myself a break and I became excited about tattooing again. And so what I'll do is when I'm, when I'm into tattooing, when I'm excited about it, I'll tattoo and I'll ride that wave. And as soon as I feel myself going, I got a tattoo today, straight away, cool, done, not tattooing anymore. I'll stop for a couple of weeks, a couple of months. I'll go backpacking. I'll go to another country. I'll go live in a fucking jungle or whatever. You know what I mean? And then I'll get that itch again. Oh man, I can't wait to get back in tattoo. And then when I get into tattooing, it's like, boom, it's like I'm starting fresh over every time. And so for me, that's how I keep myself fresh and sharp, but not everyone's like that. I, 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 I'm imagining there are people that are like, if I quit tattooing for a week, I'll just quit forever, you know, or, yeah. or I'll go crazy. I need, I just need it in my life. And that's super cool. And I'm totally down for that. And I support you in, in, in that just, I, the way I do, it's the way I do it. And, it, and, and, and like I said, way earlier, we're all in this together. 
And as long as we're doing good tattoos and we're being honest and authentic with each other, then do do your thing, whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we were supposed to talk about mental health and we kind of got <laughs> um, sidetracked. We can continue if you guys like or... Yeah. Always down to continue. Yeah. I can't okay. believe that we, oh my gosh, it's been like it's an been hour. It's been an hour. That's yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Um, so, well, we can make it a two-parter. It's up to you. Yeah, we can make it a two-parter if you want. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I could use the bathroom really quick. Okay, <laughs> okay yeah. All right, so let's stop it. <laughs> this is a two-part episode. Um, so I'll release, be releasing this one at the beginning of the year, and then the second one will be shortly after. Uh, there's also a podcast of me on them on their podcast. Um, tattoo home wreckers so give them a follow listen to their stuff it's super cool um they're really fun to to listen to and to talk to honestly um yeah all right well thanks for hanging out with me i hope you got something useful from this episode if this is your first time listening uh, please consider subscribing so you don't miss out on any of the other fun things that we'll be talking about in the future uh, if you enjoyed this episode I-, I would encourage you to go to wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a little review. This really does help me grow the podcast. And of course, if you have any questions or comments or you just want to connect on all the other social medias, you can find me on Instagram at Life Nomadic Podcast, on Twitter at That Life Nomadic, uh, Facebook.com forward slash Life Nomadic Podcast, or you can just send me an email, Life Nomadic Podcast at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening. I look forward to talking to you guys and we'll see you in the next episode.